So good afternoon and welcome to I'm Not Doing This Without Alcohol. My name is Denise Ferguson from Fine Surveyors and today I'm here with Penny Power MBE. Hi Penny, how are you? Very well, very well and uh, lovely to meet you all. Um, not being able to see you on Facebook Live but uh, lovely to meet you Denise. <laughs> yeah, you too. So what's your business called and what do you do? So um, what I do and what I was ordered the OBE for was um, I support small business owners, but I very much believe in community. And that's very different to setting up a network. And so um, that comes from 1998. I set up with my husband the first social network in the world. So that was four years before LinkedIn. And that was uh, six years before Facebook. So a bit of a weird world. Some of us can cast our mind back to Friends Reunited and MySpace. That was all that was around. And we decided that uh, we just wanted to create a network for business people to be friends with one another. And that's what we did. And that's what we still believe in to this day. That's incredible. And to work with your husband as well, that sounds amazing. So what was the network called? Does it still live in the same way as it did then? Or has it evolved because of the likes of LinkedIn and Facebook? Well, I would never have wanted to, not because sour grapes, I'd never wanted it to become a LinkedIn or a Facebook. It wasn't, uh, it wasn't achieving the same things that they want to achieve. Um, and it stayed in existence for 14 years, which we're very proud of, until 2012. Um, however, its legacy lives on every day, several times a day. We see it mentioned online or we someone contacts us from around the world and talks about their times with us in Academy. So it doesn't exist in that form. Um, our beliefs around how we should connect online still exists and it exists in um, a group which we call BIP 100 and BIP stands for Business is Personal, which is a book I wrote 14, uh, four years ago. And I truly believe business is personal. It's a philosophy we've always had. And now we run a small community. Um, we decided the world is overwhelmed with big. <laughs> That's not what anybody needs. So we handpick and select um, experts into a community who've all got the commonality of kindness. And we spend a lot of time selecting them. We've had 1,200 people now apply, but we've only got 74 members so far. So we've been doing this since last September. So it shows how hard it is to find people who have both the skills and expertise that we want to really help grow and get them more known and support them and the values of kindness and community values that's what we do yeah that must be that must be an amazing philosophy to have to, to want everybody to have the kind of same central beliefs in kindness in order to be able to work with them I know within my business I have really set uh, boundaries of the types of people that I work with too but like you say sometimes that can be hard to find how do you um, advertise to have these people in your community is it something you do across the social medias or is it you know a personal outreach yeah I mean Thomas and I because we were first into this social world have got very large networks and um and happily some goodwill in the market so some people notice or hear that we've done it some of them are previous clients that have come back and said I'd really like to join your community but we like everyone are fighting the attention war and the noise out there 
Um, and there are some superb people that run communities and support business owners. So we do do some outreach stuff through my posts on LinkedIn. People come across us. Um, yeah, social media a bit, word of mouth. Um, so we, we've used a lot of different things. We've used Google AdWords because we really wanted to bring some diversity into it. And we thought we don't just want we want new blood into our world. Um, but we've had mixed experiences with Google AdWords because people um, maybe who want to join something like a BNI network have contacted us. And um, whilst I am a real supporter of the BNI network, no, Ivan, Ivan Myers, the founder, very well. It's not what we're doing. And so, uh, but yeah, a variety of different marketing techniques, I would say. So what's the overall aim for the business? Is it to have a huge, you know, network of people whose, you know, inner beliefs are to have such a, a kind community? Or is it to keep it small and unique and, yeah, and will, build yeah. it? We won't go over the 100 members. Um, you'll get natural churn where some people will leave life circumstances change for them. Um, but we won't go over the 100. We've committed to only having 100 members. And once we hit that 100, there's some amazing ideas coming from the community. Because when you run a community, it's not about us and them. It's, that it's them and then us. It's for the community. It's a bit like a community in town you live in. You, know, you don't want somebody being controlling and saying, do as we say, and this is what we think the future of this town is. It's about everybody. So once we've got the 100, there's some fantastic ideas coming in um, around collaborating and bidding for stuff together because there's some really brilliant clusters of businesses that have similar missions, but maybe go about it with different skills. We've seen this week five of our members come together and run a, a webinar called uh, for effective team building. And the five of them had very disparate skill sets, but together they could go in as collaboration and support some companies, some large companies. So we'll see those streams coming together and then we'll start hunting down really great opportunities for those members so that their business just continues to really grow and we promote them because we really admire them. So we run something called BIP Chat on a Wednesday, which goes out live onto LinkedIn and Facebook. And um, there we interview the expert. Thomas and I sit on a sofa. We're trying to do the, the I suppose, the Phil and Holly, uh, or the Richard and Judy of business. So we're sitting on a sofa. They're virtual, obviously, but they bring in a guest with them and we talk about a subject to hopefully entertain um, the audience around that and that you know it, it helps our members get better known as well so our intention is that they become emotionally very resilient and strong that they start to self-validate rather than this world where everybody's looking for external validation um, where they um, love each other and care for one another where this identity that we all feel we have to hold online and our truth really becomes one thing and and People feel very comfortable then on a, in the community saying today's a really tough day and this is why or today's a day I'm celebrating and this is why. So um, we see this community as being, you know, Thomas and I imagine running this community of people, you know, we're 57 now, well into our 70s and 80s because these people have committed to this being a lifelong family experience. Some will leave, as I said, but this is about long term 
strong business family. Yeah, I, I love I love the sound of that and the the ethos of of building um, such a you know a great network of people. And I think you know one of the things that jumped out at me when you were talking there was about um, you know leveling the the um, you know the external side that people see of you and and the real side. And that's something that I strive to show up with every single day because I think it's really important for people who are watching you either whether it's my podcast yeah. or any of the videos or when I show up on and help people on clubhouse and stuff it's really important for me to show my vulnerable side and the ups and downs of business because when I started out in business all those years ago there weren't people doing that and there probably wasn't a platform for, the to, for, for them to do that so let's be fair there but there really wasn't people being honest about the ups and downs you only saw people really making it and that made it so much harder to keep going every day so for me I find it absolutely non-negotiable to talk about one how I feel every day but the ups and downs of business and how you know you don't go you know up you it's like a roller coaster all of the time how did yeah well I I just I I think as soon as I realized that that was what I needed all those years ago I had to fulfill that for other people because if I needed it so did other people absolutely and it is the best way to have that empathy and you know when you say it doesn't exist it did exist for 14 years but the market wanted LinkedIn and Facebook ultimately and they also didn't want to pay and we believe that you pay because when somebody pays even a small amount they're caring about their reputation and they care about the place and they can't lie who they are they can't be fake identity um so we didn't really believe in this free world that has become just such a toxic environment in many ways for people's mental health so um i think it's lovely that that's how you're showing up denise and and i think we'll see more of that i think the growth in small communities and i keep using the word communities not network it's a very, very different experience. When you join a network, often they're very utility-based. You know, it's down to you. You have to have the personal responsibility to create the culture around you that's right for you. And um, to me, a network is something you use, whereas a community is something you belong to. And, you know, belonging is one of the five top human needs that we have, because when you belong to something, you know you matter. Let's face it, if I don't post on LinkedIn, people won't necessarily notice it. But if you don't show up in a community, people will notice that something's not right and they'll reach out to you. So it's a very, very different experience. It's an emotional one rather than a utility. Yeah, and it sounds emotional. I could feel that when you were talking about it. So what got you to being the type of person that wanted to build a community that's not, because it's such an emotional um, calling, I would say, you it's not necessarily somebody's destiny to do that so what got you there it is a calling um and in fact it's interesting I had a conversation with my daughter who's 29 now who's just a phenomenal coach and she's coached me a lot and she's just very insightful and she said mum you're not a business builder you're a community builder and I think that was a really important differentiator for me because I'm not driven by the business. I am driven to make sure I create a sustainable business that our members will always know is around. But my drivers come from community. What drove me to it is I think, as cliche as this sounds, I always think when I think back to being a little girl, in the playground, um, when I first went into business, I always wanted to know that individually people mattered. And I think that sense of knowing that you matter 
is such a core need to know that you're listened to and that people care about you and that you matter to others. Don't know where that was triggered from, from a young age. I think I could go into some of my emotions of my background, but um, it might not be appropriate here. But, um, you know, I think, you know, I did have a lot of loneliness as a little girl and um, lived in a very remote village, was the last of four children. They all left home parents have been by the time I was 12 my parents had been parents for 24 years they had their own life they wanted to lead so I think I know what loneliness feels like um I know deeply business people are lonely we do a, a health check it, it's um called a business health check and <clears throat> we people fill it in every month and over a thousand people <clears throat> this is my marathon voice from screaming <laughs> at marathon runners on Sunday so excuse me everyone um and this, this survey that over a thousand people have now taken um, consistently, even pre-pandemic, um, over 67% of people say they're lonely in business. And when you think that we are the most connected that we've ever been in, in the world, how can we be lonely? If you talk to a 13-year-old girl or boy, they're lonely, even though they're spending upwards of 18 hours on their phones all the time. And I mean it, you know, there's a lot of research about that very little sleep and addicted to their, their telephone. So how can we be so connected yet more disconnected than ever before? And it's because we're not really engaging properly with one another. So in 1998, there wasn't anything like you and I experienced now. There wasn't Instagram, Facebook or LinkedIn. There wasn't Twitter. That didn't exist. There was Friends Reunited and there was MySpace. And I just, my husband had, you know, I was the mum of three young children. I'd come out of the technology industry of being quite a senior person in that, but to be a mum started a few different bits and pieces, interim stuff. But my husband was that lonely entrepreneur and, you know, working hard, trying to keep his family happy, um, desperately wanting to connect with people, but serving his clients. But he was Thomas, the most phenomenal giving networker, um, and I used to see him, you know, have people over for pasta in the evening. I'd be cooking up pasta, breastfeeding my son around the table and hearing that they needed to be connected into the e-commerce industry and things like that. And Thomas was just giving them these connections for free and helping them. And I said, why don't we create a community, Thomas, where your amazing inherent skills and love of people will enable people to connect with one another and you don't then need to be the gateway. And if we create that culture and that beautiful culture, that will just mean that people who need somebody great, others will help them through that journey. That's what we created, but we didn't know we were creating the first social network in the world. So we had to become very evangelistic about it because then we had a business model that was costing us a fortune on servers to run as more and more people joined. And that's when we had to become business people <laughs> to make sure it was sustainable and we ended up there were 5,000 offline events a year across the world and 650,000 members, which now when you compare it to 3 billion people on Facebook or whatever, uh, one and a half billion users as they now quote, because they knew how many people were upset when Facebook, Instagram and WhatsApp came down last night. Um, it's a very different experience um, but when it becomes huge because it becomes a machine that you're feeding. And our experience of it became very different because it became a a mental head fuck <laughs> <Back of it. laughs> because you're not having time to 
you create the culture of love, but you're not having time to know everybody. So I became the loneliest person in that community because I was serving it completely and didn't have time to have anybody to help me with my vulnerabilities and fears and things. So it's interesting that, you know, sometimes when you serve, you become the lonely one and that's a classic business owner's life. And so I just want to serve people, those people. And, you know, not everybody is massively ambitious, but everybody wants a sense of success. And so we always say it's your own personal definition of success. Your definition of success is to run a business that doesn't grow, but it enables you to have more life. And you can now work three and a half days, not five. And that's fantastic. But if you're triggered by wanting to run a big empire and get global success, well, let's see how we can help you through that. So, And then you get a real diversity of people inside those communities who value each other. I just came off a Zoom with one of our new members. And he's in our mastermind group, which is an offline um, group that we run face to face. And... Um, he was telling me that one of the other members in the group are nothing like he would ever experience. She's an astrologist and he's a business owner with a three million pound business. And yet she has become one of his most important connections because she just grounds him and supports him. And he would never have considered that before. So when you create diversity, you open people's minds and hearts up. And that's basically what we all need to, to get through a complex world now yeah I couldn't agree more I think especially the whole being you know lonely in business I think people see us running successful businesses and and think that you have you know everything you could possibly want but if you're sitting there you know working all of those hours it takes away from other parts of your life oh, and yes. you're constantly chasing some tale whether or not it's your you know marriage or your children or work or new clients or serving old clients you know there's always something you know throw in a family disaster and everything kind of gets shaken up and I you know I, I don't think you can appreciate it from the outside just how many different you know um, hats you have to wear as a business owner especially if you then add in having a team because that sounds like it's going to be easier but you've just got more people to manage so you know I completely understand that and having a community around me has been something that I've always kind of worked on because I need people to be so I can pick up the phone and say this is going to shit like what do I need to to do like you know sort my head out for three seconds and because deep down I always know that I've got the answer but sometimes you just need somebody else to listen to it to give you permission to actually carry on doing what you're doing because life like this is overwhelming it's not the same as working for somebody else it's you know you are the CEO and the cleaner and the the maid and the you know CFO it's just everything for everyone and and I think it's hard to even fathom that life choice when you're not in it but when you are an entrepreneur and and for me this is my definition of an entrepreneur when you're a true entrepreneur there is no alternative working for somebody else isn't a choice that you can make because that would destroy you in a different way yeah yeah you're absolutely right yeah and uh, you you know we have to I think get to a point where we start to look at our design 
of how we have designed our lives and also understand that not you've had to sacrifice something along the way so you know I had my family values are so important to me to be able to pick up my kids from school to have been able to um watch x factor with them on a saturday night now my kids are all in their 20s relationships really close and in fact they support my clients and our clients in many ways with their skills um and you know but the sacrifice i made was i wasn't connected into all the mummies in our town i just couldn't be i just was not enough of me to go around because i'd have had to give up the saturday night or the friday night with my kids or you know the homework times for me to go out and have that time with them um and it meant i was experiencing loneliness in my friendship in the friendship world because i would hear them all chatting and occasionally i'd go out and i'd see them and i would hear them all talking about things they'd done and i was just a fly on the wall because i wasn't there and it's hard so i think this is why you know brenny brown says it beautifully what you do matters but who you are matters more and therefore, in her book, Daring Greatly, and I've always believed that, I've, I wrote about that in 2001, not as succinctly as Brené Brown has, but um, if we can't achieve it all, then we have to at least know that our business life is full of friendships and somebody who cares about us. But if you literally, and there'll be people listening who haven't got time to nurture friendships and is back against the wall in their business and they haven't actually been able to engage with anybody to feel that there's somebody that cares that they can be truthful with. And this is why so many entrepreneurs have massive mental health issues. In fact, Michael um, Freeman did a survey on this um, massive research and he's written, he's in the Harvard Business Review. And he said that uh, founders of businesses are 50% more likely to have mental health problems. Um, and it's because we isolate ourselves and we have an expectation of ourselves. And I remember helping a young man, he was 32 years old, and he asked for some mentoring and he was in a really bad state and see me do a speech. And I said, let's, you know, he lived near me. I said, let's meet for some lunch and have a chat. When I learned about it, he was married. He was madly in love with his wife. He had three beautiful children. His mortgage was going to be paid off in five years. He had a cash flow, reserve cash that he could see into seven, eight year, months into the future. He was actually in a much better state than I was in a business world. And I said to him, what's your issue? And I said, something's going on here. And I said, who are you, who are you benchmarking yourself against in this world and, or comparing? And he said, I'm going to have to think about that. So I went off to the loo. When I came back, he was laughing his head off. And I said, what's, what's wrong? <laughs> I've paid the lunch bill. He said, um, I was benchmarking myself against Elon Musk and Mark Zuckerberg because they're my era. And and we subconsciously hold on to this, not realising what our own definition of success is. And so comparison is the death of joy. It is, is, as Roosevelt said, and it really is. It's but it's easy to say that. But if you do spend your time hooked into Instagram, Facebook and scrolling around if I did that I didn't know I would feel a bit down on myself you know my I think that's why I believe so much in having those 
those methods in place in your life like you know I mean it's different for everyone it obviously is but for me things like um you know meditating or having a gratitude diary or you know even a, a, a journal every day kind of they when you feel these things come out of you and you hear those things in your brain or you hear them come out of your mouth catching them or having the community around you that catches you saying things and catches I spend a lot of time on clubhouse and I'm very in tune with people's voices and I didn't know this before I spent so much time over there and I can hear in people's voices if there is something off emotionally and I am forever you know, unmiking and going on stage and saying there's something wrong here, is there anything I can do? Because I can hear it in people's voices. And I think without people around you that can say that are in tune with how you speak, it is very easy to go completely undetected when you are struggling with yourself. So having those people around you that can say, you, you we need to talk we need to go for lunch or whatever is absolutely vital especially if you're a business owner yeah absolutely and also we should all realize that perception is not reality um, I've got somebody I'm mentoring at the moment an entrepreneur who the world would perceive them as phenomenally rich successful in love um they would just think that's who I'd want to be, but their life is not good at all. And, um, you know, they are just about scraping by. And, you know, so, you know, whoever we follow, we have to realise that, that, you know, nobody has, nobody is the same recipe as you and nobody is without challenges. Um, you know, creating wealth is not an easy thing to do. Um, making a living is an incredible achievement but creating wealth on top of that is you know you're in your I don't know what the percentage is but you're in the tiny minority of people Um, but if you're making a living and you're making a difference you are an amazing person I remember a statistic when we went into the pandemic and I'd love somebody because I've googled to try and find it again but it was something like only 13% of small business owners had two months of cash to get by in their bank account so if you've got any reserve cash um, if you could get by without having a client for two months and still pay yourself an income you are in the top so let's be we have to be realistic about the perceptions that we have about people and this world and what success is Um, and the reason i want to say that and the reason I shared so much in my book is that if we if this is the line of normal and we all want to be exceptional if we all think we're here it's a hell of a long way to go so when we normalize through engaging and chatting to real people uh, we will realize actually I'm here and therefore I'm it's going to be easier to get to this point especially if it's not coming from statistics and it's coming from somebody being real and emotional and honest that's absolutely. a massive difference absolutely but you know how much do you share online you know I'm not an advocator and I can see unfortunately a world where being vulnerable has become a marketing technique which I find really quite revolting um, it's being used and it's, I think you can hear that in people though it I awful. can it's awful 
and it's exploitive and it's crap and it's again taking something beautiful and turning it into something quite toxic so that's why i believe in you know don't even read those trite vulnerability things online because they're using it as another method to build trust so that's why i believe in real engagement in small communities where you know the truth and you see and you witness the challenges and the ups and downs and then you know it's a bit like when i was watching the marathon okay and i managed to get myself to the railings with my family um at the 26th mile i i did wow i did 19,000 steps up to that point to try and catch ross at the various places and you're 10 deep but we managed to get right to that railing point and it's literally one of the most emotional things I've witnessed firsthand because you've got all the runners, the elite runners. Yeah, brilliant. Well done. You've trained and you're fantastic, you know. And then you've got the people, the um, the club runners who, again, are great. And then you've got the mass who are lifting their leg to, to keep going that last mile. And there is something inside them that is just amazing, but they are not brilliant. And that's the mass. That is the majority of small businesses. They are lifting their leg each step. And that's who I really celebrate in this world. I think if you're an achieving entrepreneur, brilliant. But that there's other ways you can contribute rather than pretending you're vulnerable or joining in some revolting marketing campaign to say, you're poor, I can make you rich, or you're not beautiful, but I can make you beautiful. And it's a toxic marketing world. In the same way that colleagues, colleagues, Kellogg's said in the 40s, breakfast is the most important meal of the day. We all got suckered into that because it sold their cereal. So, Well, I mean, it was also designed to stop people from masturbating too. So <laughs> Kellogg's, Kellogg's does make oh, me that- laugh. Yeah, that's what it was created for. So Kellogg's has a lot to answer for in my my research of their branding. Oh, yeah. So, you know, let's not just get drawn in by that person is brilliant. I also know an entrepreneur who is very successful. The way he got there was he borrowed his father's house. He hired a suit from Moss Bros. He hired a car for the day, a Ferrari, and stepped it all up and said... I've become this successful teaching people how to do Facebook adverts. Um, You can be like me, join my club. Um, You know, we have to be very aware. And and that's why, again, I go back to engage and get into the real world with a few people. So if people wanted to join your community, where would they find you? Um, Well, there's a, a bit... BIP100.club is where we have the information about it. Um, we, you know, they can see how much it is and they can um, they can apply. I'm hesitating because, you know, it's, it's not cheap. You know, we charge either £2,490 a year or £249 a month plus VAT. Um, we tend to ask people to have got to the point where they're not living in fear and scarcity. And I say that because I've run communities for people that are, and it's very hard on mass to change the culture when people are like that, because 
inherently they're at that Maslow's hierarchy of needs. They're really in that fear state of trying to cover their physical needs. And I don't think our community is right for that um, uh, because we're not, we're long-term. We don't go for the short-term gain. Um, so we're not necessarily right for that. But yeah, they can welcome to have a look at it and see if we're right. There's a video there. Um, and that's very kind of you to ask Denise. No, um, not at all. I think I could do a whole podcast on scarcity mindset as well. So. Exactly. It's a challenging <laughs> one. And yeah. um, I spent a lot of time back in the early 2000s trying to change people's behaviour. Uh, and it's not easy to change behaviour on when you're in a community. One-to-one mentoring, you can help people. But in community, it's very hard to change behaviour. I think with scarcity mindset, I think it's the first hurdles always teaching them what on earth it is, because I think people who are so deep in it, they have no even conscious understanding of of the way that they've they've set themselves up mentally no. to completely fail all the time. And they can't, you know, I've been we've been one point eight million pounds in debt after Academy and didn't want to go bankrupt and lost our home and everything. I know what it is, how scary it is when you want to be able to afford to invest in yourself and you can't. Um, so, I, you know, I really know that feeling and it's hard. It's a vicious circle to get out of it. But, it, you know, you have to invest. I spoke to a super lady today who is looking for a mentor and I said, I don't know whether I'm right. I didn't think I was right for her. Um, but I had a nice chat with her to point her in the right direction. But, you know, she hasn't got money to spend on marketing. She hasn't got money to spend on a mentor um it's very difficult and you know I know that I know I know that deeply I know that um that feeling and you know it's a tough one it is absolutely it's another it's another whole subject (laughs) yeah we could go on forever but we are coming to the end of the podcast and I end all of the podcasts with the eight mile moment so I don't give a shit what anyone thinks about me I love Eminem and he does all of his rap battles by saying the worst things about him so his opponent can't come back and say bad things to him so Penny what are the worst things about you um I swear (laughs) and I do get picked up on that um well, I've always been told that it's because I'm I'm too emotional and too sensitive, but I'm trying to make that my superpower now. Um, I don't know what are the worst things about me. God, oh God, I wish you'd give me a warning of that. Never. I don't know what it is. Um, Just don't ask your husband. That's what I always say. <laughs> I know. Probably I. Uh, I can be very controlling over money situations, but that's come from being in a terrible, terrible situation and with our three kids and not knowing what we're going to do to keep a roof over our heads. So that can be mean I can limit limit the fun in our lives a bit. That could be a worse thing. I think that, that can be... Um, and probably um, I don't give enough time now to... Um, and I'm trying to, to have fun. I'm, I'm, I'm not, you know, I've, I've come from Scottish parents who taught, I've brought up in scarcity, even though we were very wealthy and I didn't know it as children. And um, so I'm, I'm just a workaholic. So that's probably a bad thing as well. 
God, me too. I think I'm pretty much everything you've just said. <laughs> uh, you know, yeah. there's worse things to be, I think. Yeah, and age is beautiful because you just get a chance to have that self-awareness and have to learn new habits. Oh my God, yeah. Every single year I find out something more about myself that I didn't know. So I look forward to the next exactly. 40 years of just of understanding exactly who I am as a person. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast, thank Penny. You. Thank you for asking me. Really enjoyable. Got me really thinking. Good. I hope I have. Well, if anyone else wants to be on the podcast or you want to sponsor a podcast, you can contact us at podcast at find-surveyors.co.uk. Say goodbye, Penny. Bye-bye.